0: Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. We're uh, in Torah study number 24 today. And we begin uh, our first study in the book of Leviticus. And uh, Leviticus isn't actually a Hebrew word, it's a Greek word, a Latin word that means pertaining to the Levites. And uh, in biblical times, the Levites... All the priests, there were tons of them, thousands and thousands. That's how they were able to keep the temple, the tabernacle rolling day in and day out. Lots of things to do right. And that was uh, the tribe of Levi, the descendants of Aaron. And uh, in Leviticus, there's about a hundred. How many of you know that uh, there, uh, uh, in uh, ancient wisdom, Jewish wisdom, 613 commandments, right? And uh, about a hundred of those commandments pertain exclusively to the sacrifices, And so uh, that's a big chunk, uh, a one-sixth. Others relate to exclusively to the temple and the temple service. Uh, So not everything is moral and ethical per se like the Ten Commandments are. There's guidelines, standards, rules for what happens uh, in the temple and the tabernacle and with the Levites. And uh, uh, as we get into Leviticus and we get to begin to study all of this, uh, you know, Leviticus for uh, many Christians is the same or synonymous with a root canal. <laughs> we want to study Leviticus as much as we want to go to the dentist and hear the whee! <laughs> but actually, uh, we need to change that. And we need to begin to understand as believers that what God gave in Leviticus is very important. They're his commands. They're not man-made traditions. And, and it wasn't Israel had bad pepperoni pizza for a few nights and started writing crazy things down. Uh, and once we begin to appreciate more and more uh, that the Old Testament is God's wisdom... Uh, we'll realize that it's not legalism. We'll realize that we shouldn't be dismissing it as unnecessary or irrelevant. All scriptures given by inspiration of God. And so, God doesn't put people in legalism, man puts people in legalism. Some of you here today, uh, by some man-made doctrines in certain denominations, will be going to hell. Let me inform you, you'll be spending eternity weeping and gnashing and burning. Uh, Isn't that the good news? (laughs) All because you didn't wear a dress down to your ankles. (laughs) Or you put makeup on or you're wearing jewelry. All of those are man-made traditions. So legalism isn't God's word. Legalism is man-made traditions that exalt themselves over God's word. Because some man decided so. Uh, The fact is that everything that God is doing in Leviticus points to the redeeming work of the Messiah. So there's uh, wisdom, revelation, and value there. Uh, and, And there's divine principles. We may not be offering something in the temple anymore. That's part of the reason why we have a new covenant, a better covenant. Is because we don't have to go and offer up a lamb uh, later on this week. <laughs> we'd do that about one time and we'd be cured of our sin. <laughs> Heck, if I'm coming back to do this again, <laughs> let's just live right. <laughs> but, uh, uh, so it's important to understand that uh, Jesus didn't come as a giant eraser from heaven to erase all the mistakes God made in the Old Testament. In fact, he said in Matthew 5, uh, verse 17, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. I have come to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear and its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And so we need to incorporate that into modern church theology. That the Torah isn't abolished. The prophets aren't abolished. They're re-explained, re-understood at the highest levels through the coming of the Messiah. But that's the mistake the church fathers made. They passed down through all the generations going back to the first century that it's unnecessary to learn any of that because it's all been fulfilled. Because Jesus obeyed the Torah, we no longer have to, which is kind of an odd thing. It's a weird philosophy and it's totally opposite of what I just read out of uh, the New Testament. Oh, what does Jesus know? He was having a bad day. (laughs) No, he wasn't having a bad day. He's perfect, he's blameless, he's sinless, and he knows all things, and what he said is true. So, uh, But Christian theologians have always tried to understand the Bible without any input of the wisdom of our Jewish counterparts. Big mistake. You know, most pastors have all these reference books in their library. You know, and it's all Barnes and Matthew Henry and Adam Clark and Wiest and other uh, volumes and volumes. Uh, But we should learn from Rabbi Lappin. We should learn the understanding of what God is saying in the Bible and especially in the New Old Testament from the great rabbis who have spent centuries studying that from the people that wrote it. Their kin wrote the book. And now we're grafted in, so our kin wrote the book. So let's learn a little about what uh, the original teaching was there. And so, unfortunately, with that viewpoint, replacement theology was created. But that's absolutely incorrect. And, uh, and this is what we learn, for instance, out of Ephesians 3.20. Okay, everybody head to the bomb shelter. Is that, uh, <laughs> Amber Alert? <laughs> Phone's on silent. Phasers on stun. <laughs> All right. Let me t- check my phone, make sure it's not me. Okay. So anyways, for those of you listening on CD or by podcast, we're having an amber alert in the Torah study. It came just at the right time when we're reading Ephesians 2.20 that... Paul is explaining the one new man. See the one new man scripture on the big banner there. Uh, And he continues his explanation saying that the one new man is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. The new and the old. With Jesus Christ, the Messiah, being the chief cornerstone that connects the two. How does he connect the old and the new? He embellishes and enhances and multiplies and re-explains everything that God gave in the Old Testament uh, to help us better understand the new. So the Lord or uh, uh, the Apostle Paul, they don't render the Old Testament obsolete, but rather they enlighten us to the fuller purpose uh, of uh, the Torah and the prophets. And if you think about it, Think about this. Go back and read Matthew 5 for yourself. That's the Sermon on the Mount. We've been there on the tour, right there where it uh, apparently happened. And it's a, a wonderful experience. But Matthew 5, where Jesus, I didn't come to a ball, let me explain. And he goes on to explain six different instances of Old Testament Mosaic law uh, in the sense that he's validating that law is still in effect. But here's the fuller, completer understanding of that law. And uh, we don't have time today to go back through and, and uh, teach that. But what he's doing is giving that complete understanding. And so he's not making it obsolete. If he, if he came here to do that, he sure missed a golden opportunity. <laughs> But he didn't miss a goal, it. he's explaining that. And so, with that as our foundation, let's go back into Leviticus. Because we have an interesting problem to solve. And it actually arises at the very end of Exodus, just before Leviticus one, And in Exodus 40.35, Moses, he's completed the building of the tabernacle. The, and the Torah says that God's Shekinah glory is so powerful and so thick that Moses can't enter in to minister. Uh, and so ancient wisdom asks a very important question. Why wasn't Moses able to enter in? And the the answer is really quite remarkable in that there was one more important step after building the tabernacle that would allow Moses, that would allow Israel, and now by extension, the principle that will allow us to draw near is something we learn in Leviticus. And that's the giving of a sacrificial offering. That's the secret to entering in. Isn't that powerful? Uh, And it's showing us Uh, That contrary to some Christian beliefs, God's presence, God's power, God's promises are not just automatically available. I'm entitled to those no matter how I act, no matter what I do or don't do. I'm entitled to that. They're mine. Mine, mine, mine. No, I mean, God has... Standards, he has methods, he has procedures, he has policies in place to help guide and direct people from going off on religious tangents. And so we need to understand the principles. And look, we know uh, God is Jehovah Shema, he's always there. Thank you, Lord. He'll never leave us or forsake us. Amen. Uh, but at the same time, if we want God to draw close to us, and if we want to draw closer to God, there's a principle in place. Okay? Are we okay? God's showing Moses something, and He's showing you and I something. That there's a principle on how to enter in. And it's with an offering. Now that offering, there's many different kinds of offerings. In uh, intercessory prayer, we just prayed about the offering of praise. Thanksgiving and praise is a sacrificial offering that we give to the Lord because He's so good. But there's uh, other kinds of offerings. There's offerings to release a financial harvest. But there's also offerings on uh, how to eliminate, or how how would I say, uh, uh, an offering that will put sin at bay? How do I get rid of sin out of my life? I just don't need a financial blessing this week, Lord. There's this vexing attack of the enemy that's coming against me, and I want that thing stopped in its tracks. What do I do? Well a lot of times what we have to do is we have to understand that God is good. God's not putting evil things on you to teach you a lesson, but there's times where we miss a principle of God. There's 613 principles. You know, and if we can just learn 10 of them, the big 10, we're on our way. But there's many more. And sometimes it's the nuances that we miss. We're not studying to show ourselves approved. I got Jesus, that's all I want. Well, okay, I got Jesus too. And I'm glad that He's my Lord and Savior, my Redeemer and my Deliverer. But my people are destroyed because they're not learning enough. Right? And so it is. It's like my golf game. My golf swing. I don't know uh, if you care about golf. I do. (laughs) And it's more fun when all the principles of your golf swing come together. Uh, And in your mind, when you're playing golf, all of a sudden you're thinking about which principle isn't working today that keeps my ball going into the water. (laughs) I don't want my ball going into the water anymore. Well, what's I'm standing too close. I'm standing too far. My grip is too loose. My grip is too tight. <laughs> you know, I need to move this way. I need to move that way. My shoulders, I turn. There's, there's tons of principles. You need the right club and on and on and on. And so... What follows in Leviticus are more instructions, more principles on how to draw close. And it begins with how to bring a sacrificial offering. It, it expands because there's power in the blood. Amen. And there's meant to be, God means to bring us atonement into our lives. Sin separates. The sin offering atones and brings atonement at one man with the Lord. And that's our goal at one minute. And so uh, in Leviticus 1 it says, in verse 1, The Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tabernacle of meeting, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the livestock of the herd of the flock. If his offering is a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering. That's where we always joke about the offerings you couldn't do a drive-by. Right. I'm just going to leave my lamb at the front gate and hightail it out of here because the rest of it, I don't want to be a part. No, you walked up the ramp, put your head on the, uh, the offering, the sacrifice, the bull, the lamb, and it says, he shall kill the bull before the Lord. Who's the he? Us. Back in the day, the, the Levite gave the person the knife and the person had, now you do that like one time, and you're cured of sin. Yes. There is no way I want to go through this every week. <laughs> so whatever i got to work out, Lord, I'm all ears. Help me to work it out. <laughs> Amen. And then he shall kill the bull before the Lord, the priests, Aaron's sons, and they'll sprinkle the blood uh, on the altar uh, by the tabernacle of meeting. So here begins this lengthy discussion on the various kinds of offerings. And each of them have a unique purpose in that each of them teach us how to enter into that lasting fellowship and relationship with the Lord. Why does the Lord feel so distant? Well, partly because there's something going on in your life that is alienating you from His presence. It's not that the Lord has withdrawn... You've stepped away, I've stepped away from underneath his covering in some way, shape, or form. And many of those things uh, are inadvertent, unintentional, and even they happen unbeknowingly to you. I didn't know I was doing that. You're always the last to know. Right? Ask your wife. She's got that list there and she'll get you back on track. Honey, what is it that I'm doing that is agitating, irritating, and causing disharmony in the home? Well, let me tell you. Where's my laundry list? But each in its own way, there's many different types of offerings that God goes through. Each in its own way is a sacrificial offering. You're sacrificing something to restore fellowship. All right. Uh, nowadays, we're sacrificing our money, typically. We sow a financial offering which uh, in the old days, a bull or a lamb or a goat or a dove or uh, other kind of produce that was allowed uh, as a sacrifice, it cost you something to restore the fellowship that was damaged because of sin. And it's interesting because sacrificial offering in Hebrew is the word korban. And korban means to come close to draw close, to be intimate. So the very word of offering uh, means that we're drawing close. And that's God's plan. He wants to draw close to us. He wants to bring forgiveness, atonement, redemption, healing, uh, and This is uh, whether or not uh, uh, we've made errors, mistakes, failures, no matter what is going on in our lives. If we'll come to our senses and offer back to the Lord, not just our money, but our heart and soul. Father, I sincerely repent here. I realize what's going on. I've been a doofus. I've been a duffer. I've been making mistakes. Oh, no. Help me change, Lord. And uh, what Lydia and I are going to do today is we're going to put in our offering uh, in the main service as a sin offering today. Not looking for a financial harvest. I mean, that's all part of the deal. That's part of uh, why we bring offerings is to receive a, a harvest. But how many of you have noticed that in the charismatic church nowadays, it's like that's the only offering we ever hear about. Why is the only offering we're ever hearing about is the giving offering that uh, uh, creates a harvest? I want that. But what about the, the offering to break the power of sin? To break family curses? And to restore fellowship, that has nothing to do with the financial. Now, that might be blocking the financial blessing, but the root of that is uh, found in the sin offering. Uh, and so, so God says to bring me an offering, and when it comes to the lamb, the bull. The goat, uh, it's supposed to teach me that my life is the life that should have been lost, right? This, this lamb is just the substitute. The lamb is taking my place. I'm the one that messed up. That's just an innocent lamb. And God set it up that that innocent lamb would be the substitute. You go all the way back to Adam and Eve, and all of a sudden they were wearing fig leaves, and then the next thing you know they're wearing animal skins. Why did they wear animals? Somebody gave, some little creature gave its life, and God set up this substitutionary sacrificial system. And... Look, on a side note, when we think of Adam, uh, we usually think of Adam in Christianity only uh, his main issue is sin. Uh, And we forget about the bigger takeaway. Yeah, Adam sinned. But the bigger takeaway is God forgave. (laughs) So yeah, we need to, sin is serious. But, God's redemption and forgiveness is able to overcome any sin. The power of the blood, right? And so what's going on in Leviticus is a study to learn about God has an unending commitment to you and I to bring his blessing of redemption, salvation, deliverance into our lives. Sometimes we need more than money right now money is a nice thing i'll take more of it and if you're disappointed you have too much come see me afterwards and <laughs> with open arms i'll take every <laughs> well not every no i won't <laughs> but sometimes we need a spiritual blessing Amen. and not just a financial one all right And so this is where the sin offering comes in. Symbolically, my life is lost. And I'm supposed to vicariously see what's going on with the sacrifice and have an emotional event, an emotional experience. Oh my gosh! That should have been me! It's almost like God was training Israel I wish we were being trained this way that there comes a time in every person every believer's life where we have sinned now we're not robbing banks, right? we're not stealing, uh, you know uh, sneaking out at night going into our neighbor's garage and stealing their power tools you know, we're not doing that anymore, right? Right? <laughs> but, you know, the, the, the inner sins are the things that are, are the more difficult things to get rid of. Right? The greed, the selfishness, the self-centeredness, the egomaniac side, the, uh, the inner sins where we're always sad, always depressed, always pessimistic, always negative, always this, always that. And when we bring a sin offering, now this morning you could bring your sin offering in the form of a financial gift. And as the offering is being received, you could put that financial gift in and say, Father God, I'm slaughtering the animal side of me right now. The sinful side of me that keeps vexing me and blocking my blessings and keeping me from advancing forward in the kingdom. The Holy Ghost has shown you what that is. It's not like, oh my gosh, I never... We know... But every sinful act that I've been a part of, or my family's been a part of, the curses that continue to be replicated in my life, my child's life, now my grandson's life, Father, take that out of me. Remove that from my life so that I can be transformed and be more like you, be more like Jesus. Right? Do you think that works? Yeah, it works. (laughs) Praise God. And so what this is all symbolizing and talking about is that there's an inward side to the offering. We don't just give an offering feeling entitled, now you owe me, God. You owe me. Let me caution you. That sounds like arrogance and pride. And God resists the proud. The Bible teaches again and again, pride comes before a fall. The middle letter of pride is I. And I is usually where people get into it. It's not so much the devil, he'll exploit that in us. But when we're so focused on I, 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 me, myself, and I, that's all that matters is me, myself, and I. It's like we're little flesh creatures. And we need to get set free of that. Father, I sow this offering. I know I've sinned. I know I've made a mistake. And I sincerely regret it, Lord. And I know I've hurt not only myself, I've hurt our relationship and I've hurt my family. I've hurt my neighbor. The animal side of me got the best of me. And I don't want to repeat this again. In my, Do you see what's going on there? There's repentance going on. And so as I sow this offering today, I pledge to get rid of the animal side, the natural, the carnal cravings in my life. I want to, to dispatch those out of my life and live more like you, Lord Jesus. And that's what seems to be missing in many cases in Christianity today. When does that happen? Right? Right? Everyone should have to watch the passion when they've committed a sin and suddenly when you're watching Jesus at the cross being mistreated at the whipping post before Pilate and in all the, 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 uh, uh, the, the, the lashes and the crown of thorns and you watch it vividly on screen and all of a sudden you realize that should have been me. How many of you want to go through that? Okay, we're forming a line. (laughs) We need volunteers. No, thank you, Jesus, that the new covenant means I don't have to go through all of that. By faith, I can identify with what you did. But are we identifying? When we've gotten into that argument, we've said those mean words, we've done some uh, ungodly thing, and all of a sudden, how do we get set free so that doesn't recur and replicate in our life? That's why bad things happen to good people. Because that thing is running wild behind the scenes and we're not connecting the dot. I don't need an offering today to, uh, so I can be blessed with finances. I need an offering today that will break the power of sin. Right? And it's just like, Pastor, God doesn't need our money as much as I need salvation and deliverance and forgiveness and freedom. And I don't, send a, I don't send a lamb anymore. And even though we all understand, well, Jesus is the lamb, and by faith I identify with what he did, there's something extra involved when you yourself are doing something that costs you something. This is costing me. Sin has cost me. The wages of sin is death. It's costing me. And to reverse that curse, I'm going to put $50 or $100 in to break this thing once and for all. Pray those kind of sincere prayers. Trust that Jesus is the Lamb. And all those things will work together for good and bring you freedom. Amen? Amen. Praise God. In Hebrews 9.13, I'll uh, shorten this for the sake of time. If under the old system the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of young cows could cleanse men's bodies from sin, and they could. It worked. Right? God didn't give them a system that didn't work. The system worked. But just think how much more that the blood of Jesus will transform our lives and hearts. And that's the inner component, right? I just don't need more money in my bank account. I need freedom in my soul. I don't want to live under guilt and condemnation. I don't want to open the door to the devil to come in and bring all of these vexing, crazy, wild, and weird thoughts. I need the power of it. Here's my sin offering. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. And now I'm going to join my faith with what you've done. Here's my sin offering. Break the power of sin in my life. Do you see that? Amen. Amen. So we've been missing a valuable piece to the offering puzzle. This is what we were never taught about, right? Now there's no question that Jesus is our sin offering. And we receive forgiveness by faith. As it says, if we confess and freely admit and accept responsibility for our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. Amen? That's a good deal. But what does accept responsibility mean? How do you accept responsibility? When, when are we taught to accept responsibility? When do we feel an obligation as a believer after we've just got off of a slander session... Or just responded on social media with an ungodly tweet or an ungodly post. Or we get into a battle with uh, of feelings and emotions and uh, uh, tempers flare and things are said. And all of a sudden there's these bad vibes and bad feelings and mistakes that we've made. And we're, you know, we're just like a... a, a, a my dad is the football coach. When we made a bad play, what are you doing? <laughs> right? What What do you do? Sin offering? I'm not after a financial blessing. That comes. That's part of the package. But in this instance, there's all kinds of offerings. And in this instance, it's not more money that I need. It's more grace. It's more patience. It's more goodness. It's more kindness. It's more the fruit of the Spirit that I need. That's the harvest I'm looking for. And so I'm sowing my offering this morning. To break the power of sin so this harvest of righteousness, godliness, holiness, and goodness can be released. And I'll be no longer controlled by the animal uh, nature, but more by the divine nature. And, and so this all accepting responsibility is seen... In the story of Zacchaeus. How many of you remember Zacchaeus? He was a small man. He was a rich man. He was a tax collector. Considered a sinner. He wasn't very well liked. And the, the crowd was thronging Jesus in Luke 19 is where the story is. And, and suddenly Jesus sees Zacchaeus in a sycamore tree. And he looks up. And he says, Zacchaeus, come on, I'm going to your house for dinner. And boy, did certain people complain about that. He's fellowshipping with a sinner. And in verse 7, it says, the people were displeased. He's gone to be with the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood up before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded. Now notice how he responds. Salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. The son of man came to seek and save those who were lost. He didn't say the sinner's prayer. There was no altar call. It wasn't, well, Lord Jesus, I believe you are my Messiah, my Redeemer, my Savior, and I ask you to come into my heart, forgive me of every sin, and whatever the altar call prayer might be. That doesn't happen here. He says, I'm going to give. And then he says it again, I will give back. I'm willing for whatever mistakes I've made, I'm willing for it to cost me personally something. And Jesus recognizes the repentance because he was going to put his money where his mouth is in the spirit of repentance. And Jesus said, that's salvation, folks. It's the principle we're talking about. It's the way to open up ourselves to more forgiveness, more salvation, more freedom, more blessing, more restoration. And it, it it's different than sowing to get a, a a financial blessing. That's one of the offerings too. Pastor will talk about that today, probably at some about the first fruits. But at the same time, what Zacchaeus did cost him something, and it demonstrated he was repenting. I'm serious about this. And usually when it comes to your pocketbook, that's when things get serious. Because if somebody, well, I, I, could you loan me $1,000? What makes you think I got $1,000? <laughs> and all of a sudden, you're, oh, man, I don't want to give nobody 1000 But we don't think about giving God a special offering that is meant to bring repentance, that is meant to bring forgiveness and miracle breakthrough on the spiritual side, not just on the financial side. And Jesus saw this, and he put it in the Bible, so that we could use that story to help us understand the right spirit, if we'll give in the right spirit, God will break the bondage of sin and we'll draw closer to him. Surely he is a son of Abraham and salvation has come because of his offering. So can we designate our giving? Yeah. That's why there's different offerings because you're designating what you're giving toward. Should we be designating our offering for a financial blessing? Yes. But what about the breakthrough you need on the spiritual side? If somebody's still struggling and being vexed and tormented by the enemy, feeling guilt and anxiety and worry and fret and all of this condemnation, how do I get rid of that? It's not by sowing towards a financial blessing, because more money won't solve that. The root of that is sin. Here's my sin offering. And it's in the form of a $100 check today, Lord. And I'm sowing this to slaughter the sinful side of my attitude, my behavior, my conduct. And I'm sowing it so I can receive forgiveness. So I don't have to carry this burden anymore. That's how you break the stronghold of sin. And this is what we haven't been taught much on, right? But you're getting this teaching today. It adds to your repertoire of spiritual things that you can do to be set free and to live a better life. One of the most amazing insights comes from an article by the late Rabbi Sachs entitled uh, Self and Sacrifice. And he points out a grammatical oddity that's in the verses I just read. It says, speak to the children of Israel, say to them, when one of you offers a sacrifice to the Lord, the sacrifice must be taken from the cattle, sheep, or goats. That's the plain text in English. But that's not how the original verse reads in Hebrew, according to the rabbi. In Hebrew, the word order of the sentence is different than normal. And instead of reading, when one of you offers a sacrifice, in the original Hebrew, it says, when one offers a sacrifice of you. Do you just see what's going on there? That the original meaning, the deeper truth... Creates a whole new understanding of what the sacrifice is all about. In that when we bring an offering, we're actually meant to understand, I'm offering myself. When one offers a sacrifice of you. Israel knew this. They were offering themselves. They were taught that yes, the physical sacrifice was the outward work. But it was only an outward work. The real uh, purpose and power of the sacrifice was the inward work. The sacrifice of you. I'm offering more than just a check and a plate or a a, a lamb or a bull or a goat. I'm offering my heart and soul here, Lord. Do you think that might change somebody's destiny when the offering plate goes by? The buckets are passed today? Father, I'm offering my heart and soul. I am so deeply committed to my Christian life, to you, Lord Jesus, and all the sin that comes against me, all the family curses that are trying to come against me, the attacks of the enemy, I'm sowing this towards breakthrough today. And that breakthrough is typically what's going on in us. Not blaming someone else. Uh, It's the government. It's Trump's fault. It's Biden's fault. It's my mom's fault. My dad's fault. It's my boss's fault. It's the economy's fault. No, you are a child of the king. And there's nothing uh, that can stop you from entering into God's best, except you. And so by the power of the Holy Spirit, you begin to let him do a little heart surgery. Speak to me in praise and worship. Lord, show me the error of my ways, search my heart and help me understand how I keep screwing up, and that's what's leading me to missing out on all the good things. Amen. Amen. What happens is a divine exchange. This is really what's going on when we we sow our offering. It's a divine exchange. As we sacrifice our inclinations to be greedy or self indulgent, I spend all my money at the mall. I spend all my money on Amazon. All I got for God is five dollars, but Amazon and Jeff Bezos, they got five hundred of my dollars. And then they lather, rinse, and repeat, addicted to spending. But when we sow and we... God, I need more kindness. I need more generosity. I need more goodness coming out of my life. You'll become transformed. Apathy can be exchanged for empathy. I just did a funeral uh, uh, f- uh, not a uh, week ago Friday. And then we got a call today that one of our dear members has died. And so I'll be doing another funeral later on this week. And one of the big prayers that I pray, I didn't come from an empathetic life. There was not much sympathy growing up in my house. There was just a lot of tough love. And mostly it was just a lot of toughness and little love. And so empathy doesn't come to me naturally. And so I am constantly, especially if I'm doing God, I need show me how to express empathy, because I want to say something in the funeral that's going to reach people. They're numb. They're, they're they're they've just been hurt deeply because of a loss, and their their feelings are numb. What do you say? Help me to be empathetic. Let me exchange my apathy for empathy, my pride and arrogance for humility and modesty. This is the transformation. And all of the things that are happening before the transformation, I got news for all of us, that's sin. That's not just, well, that's just the way I am. No, that's sinful behavior springing out of the sinful nature, and that needs to be forgiven and transformed. And thank God we have a Savior that will exchange all the bad for all the good. Amen. Amen. That's the power of the sin offering. Amen. So at the core of all of this, we're learning that God provides a way for you and I to enter in to so many aspects and facets of life A better life than we ever thought. It's more than just a financial harvest. I want that. You want that. But what if you need a healing harvest? What if you need a righteousness harvest? What do I do? God provides that in Leviticus. He shows us the principles. And it's all part of the Christian journey. This this exchange goes on our whole life. That's why people quit. What happened to so-and-so? They just felt that they didn't want to do any more exchanging. And nowadays, look, I'm into this thing since 1984. I still real, I need some exchange. And today, when I said to Lydia on Friday, Lydia, when, when the offering is taken this Sunday, it's going to be a sin offering. It's not going to be for financial harvest. That'll come. That'll first fruits. It's going to be because this sinfulness in my behavior. There's certain things that I still do that I'm. I'm I, I want change. I want trans. I want to be more empathetic. I want to be more loving and kind. I want to uh, do more things that please the Lord. And as long as the devil has his hooks in me, trying to keep me from becoming the man of God God wants me to be then uh, I'm going to be frustrated and I'm not going to be as happy as God wants me to be. And I want to be more happy. Anybody else want to be more happy? (laughs) Well, some of this then applies. So you might say today as we close, and I'll say this as a prayer because I wrote it down. This is my prayer. Maybe it can be your prayer or some version of it. Father, I love you. And I rededicate my life to you this morning. And I want to thank you for remolding me, renewing my mind so I can accomplish your perfect will, Lord. Receive my praise, receive my sin offering, receive my study time, receive my entire life as a living sacrifice. And help me to be the man that you've called me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen this morning. If you receive that, give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah.